In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We put ourselves in the presence of Jesus in the tabernacle, and we make the prayer of the apostles our own. Lord, increase our faith. Our topic of conversation with our Lord is life of faith, fidelity, the traditional topics that we bring to prayer. Lord, how do you want us to view this very special virtue that is so intimately connected with miracle working? As we contemplate the gospel, we see that miracles occur from two perspectives. One, the divine one. Only God could work miracles. But Jesus virtually doesn't work a miracle without an act of faith. In his infinite providence and wisdom and love, God has decided to need our faith. Jesus needs our faith to work miracles. Obviously, he's not trying to be difficult, but he requires that. It's necessary. And his miracle working is a sneak preview of even more spectacular miracles than curing sick people or even bringing people back to life. But the miracle of attracting others to our Lord. That's the ultimate miracle, where we are instruments of a conversion, conversion that leads to repentance, conversion that leads to a commitment to holiness, conversion or transformation that leads to vocation. It's God's work, but it's also our correspondence. When the apostles asked Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus does not answer that question by saying, that's an irrelevant question because the works of God are done by God. In fact, he doesn't say that, though it's eminently true. He says miracles occur through deeds of faith. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. It sounds so generic. It's kind of a phrase that you could just slide over. It's almost a phrase that may seem redundant. But nothing's redundant in the gospel. And so let's explore that with our Lord. This fidelity is an ongoing habit of faith. And faith takes on many hues. Humility, perseverance, trust, 
But there is a baseline that we don't want to miss. And it is a sentiment that all the instruments of miracles in the gospel supplied our Lord. Faith, when Jesus says to do the works of God, you have to believe in him whom he has sent. Obviously, our Lord doesn't mean factual acceptance of what the church teaches or factual agreement of what St. Jose Maria has taught. That's a very tiny part of faith. In fact, it's revealed, especially through St. James, but throughout the New Testament, that faith is as good as deeds of self-giving love. In fact, St. James says, and that's why his epistle was rejected by Martin Luther and Calvin, because they were into our works, accomplish nothing, that we can't merit anything. It's all gratuitous grace, and obviously that's partially true or significantly true, but not totally true. So that's why they got rid of that epistle. Because St. James says that faith without works is dead. What kind of works? Works of charity. Faith without love is dead. They even said, even the evil one has factual faith. The evil one is not an atheist. He certainly believes that's why he's doing a lot of tempting, because he does believe. So faith, in its truest sense, requires an expression of supernatural love, charity, charity towards our Lord, charity towards others. And our Lord is saying, well, that's what belief is. You know, we read about belief, it's not just an intellectual exercise. We ask the question in prayer, the Saint Jose Maria, his successor, Blessed Alvaro, not bad to have a successor who's a blessed, said that our father's faith was so great, so thick, that you could cut it with a knife. And maybe our immediate reaction to that is he really trusted he did all that. He really counted on our Lord's strength. He was very optimistic, yes. But his faith was all about the total gift of self. The baseline of faith, and we're going to look at it a little bit, is what we heard Mark's Gospel, 1243. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the multitude putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty 
has put in everything she had, her whole living. That's the faith. That's the fidelity. We want to contemplate. And when we want to grow in faith, yes, trust, yes, perseverance, eliminating doubts. But the essential part of that faith that, put in human terminology, that can unleash, because our Lord wills it so, we don't unleash anything from God, but He wills it so, miracle working is that complete self-giving that is a work of a lifetime. And we'll look at some specifics if I get to it, our plan of life to begin with. The same Mark is the only evangelist who records that in one instance, Jesus could not work a miracle. Or was it that he wished not to? He could not. And let's look at that. How is that possible? Because this is the only instance, at least I've come across, he goes back home, and Mark says, and he could do no mighty work there. He couldn't do it. Didn't choose not. I mean, he could have, well, you guys aren't so hot. You're sinning a lot, so no miracles for you. I could, I could, I'm cool with that, as the young people say. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say, I'm not going to work a miracle because you don't deserve a miracle. It says he couldn't. He was not able. He was incapable. That's what could not means. And how's that possible? He could not. And I would say, well, they, they didn't trust enough, but I don't think that's true. I think it's easy to trust. If you see someone curing scores of sick people, as we've read in today's gospel, and casting out demons, I'm going to trust him. I saw it for myself. He's doing it all day. There's no time to eat. Can't even get into his own house. They think he's out of his mind because he's just in a frenzy of miracle work. So I think they did believe in that sense. Factually, of course, our experience tells us he could work miracles and come on, work those miracles here with your buddies whom you grew up with. And there's nothing more that he wanted to do than to work some miracles with his fellow townsmen. But he couldn't. He couldn't do it. Why couldn't he do it? Because he couldn't find anybody who, it's my speculation, just as a disclaimer, it's not in the catechism. You're not obligated to embrace this as if it were dogma. But my speculation here is that there was insufficient love for God. Because I think the trust thing was there, they were asking for this, and he could not do it. He read their hearts, there was not enough love there. There was not enough self-giving love. And so he couldn't do it. We translate that into St. Maria's life, especially those first years, yeah, he had faith that you cut it with a knife, but he worked very hard. 
It wasn't just a passive, okay, I really believe that, uh, you know, in spite of everything, our Lord is going to uh, rain down miracles. He was completely convinced of the omnium bonum and that things would work out. But there was that self-giving love, no question about it. The first tier of that self-giving love was his extravagant self-giving to prayer and to penance and to charity and obviously hard work. And that's the faith that you could cut with a knife. So that's one generic line, you know, how do we how do we work the how do we do the works of God? Well believe in him whom he has sent. We see that in the miraculous catch of fish. It's it's one of these miracles that you're kind of caught in the drama of the miracle. It's kind of a spectacular miracle. Boats are sinking fish spilling out of the nets. Uh, the apostles never experienced such a harvest of fish catching, not even close to it. What triggered that miracle? Well, they toiled all night, Peter says. He's saying, my experience tells me there's no fish here. We're fishermen. This has happened before. We're exhausted all, all night. There was no fast food places in those days. And folding your nets, washing the nets was not an operation that took five seconds. Mooring the boat, cleaning the boat, because you needed the net to be ready for another day. And it's, all, it's an all-nighter, basically. All-night is all-night. And our Lord says, give a little bit more. Well, now it's a different scenario. Our Lord's there. Huge difference. But it's not enough that our Lord is there. It's essential, but it's not enough. As God, he could have said, all right, close your eyes, look at the shore, look at all those fish. He could have done that. Created those fish. Not one fish was in that lake that he did not create. Could have said that. Or he could have said, listen, just go out there for five minutes, and I promise you're going to catch a bunch of fish. He didn't do that either. Just get back in there and fish. Again, one person's speculation again. There's no data here, so we don't know. I think it took a long time. I don't think it... Perhaps they, they shouted to the Lord, Lord, we've added 45 minutes. We're telling you there's no fish. And our Lord says, you don't, leave, you don't come back until you catch them. That's my hunch. And so this toiling all night and then going back out there is kind of also symbolic of faith, of giving myself. And this is extremely important, even though it sounds like a throwaway phrase. There's no throwaway. The Holy Spirit does not inspire throwaway phrases. It may come across as a throwaway phrase. But when Peter, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying... Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not in your league. And was he a sinful man? Yes, he, he was. Did he prove it? In spades. He'll prove it soon that this is not false humility. 
at least according to the records, after Judas, he had been the most sinful, at least after his calling to be an apostle. By far, he denied Christ. For he was astonished in all that were with him at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. All right. And here's the throwaway phrase, which really is not a throwaway phrase. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So from the context, Jesus told Simon and his colleagues, who were apostles as well, if you give yourself completely, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to spread the gospel. It's all about letting me work in you, but I need your self-gift. That's the kind of faith I need. This going out into the lake, which represents the world, the fatigue, is our Lord's message that to do Opus Day requires what the widow did. Whether we have a million dollars to give or two copper coins, the important thing is to unload it all. And those coins or that million dollars represents my heart, my will, my efforts. St. Josemaria in the Way, 580, humbly ask God to increase your faith. Then with new lights, you'll see clearly the difference between the world's paths and your way as an apostle. If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, what promises are contained in this exclamation of the Master? What does this have to do with what we're trying to bring to prayer? Why mustard seed? Here we're talking about total gift of self, and now we throw in mustard seed. Seems like it doesn't add up. It doesn't mean a tiny faith, mustard seed being the smallest of all seeds, but the mustard seed is, is meant to be a big tree. But it becomes that big tree with a constant spurt of growth. That's how I give myself. I'm going to give you everything, Lord. I don't want to hold back. All right, what's my next spurt of growth in love? Not in performance. And that's what it takes to do that work of God. As Pope Francis says, that our apostolate or work of evangelization is the work of attraction. John Paul will use another phrase, uh, transmitting the face of Christ. Our Father will say we need to be ipse Christus, we need to be Christ. They need to see Christ in us. It's all the same. I need to be a sower of peace and joy, the most recent pastoral letter of the Father says that that's the aim of our apostolate, is to be sowers of peace and joy. The sowers need to give themselves. And we can pick any miracle we want. The multiplication of loaves and fish, someone had to give the five loaves and two fish. The miracle of Cana, they had to fetch the water under very spartan conditions, and they filled the containers to 
up to 130 gallons, 170 gallons, depends. All those images. And so first line of attack or the first part of our lives intimately linked with our vocation is my plan of life. I remember Blessed Alvaro telling us a number of occasions, it's hard to translate, but to, basically we say, you got to make a fuss over the plan of life. And he, he would say, you know, it, be careful and be sensitive in your examination of conscience that it's much more than getting it done. Getting it done is significant, but he says, be careful that it's not just getting it done. You need the Spanish to appreciate the play on words, but, you know, cumplimiento is fulfillment in Spanish, and cumplo, which means I fulfill, miento means I lie. So, you know, it's kind of play on the words. He said, be careful that it's not cumplo y miento. Make sure it's cumplimiento. And cumplimiento means that you mount them like a jewel. Right? To appreciate a good piece of artwork, you can't lay, lean a Rembrandt canvas in a garage. So, well, that's a Rembrandt. It's hard to believe that. Well, you need, you need a beautiful paneled wall in a classy museum well-furnished with good-taste decorations to emphasize the beauty of the painting. Part of my life of faith is that I give myself totally to our Lord by making that plan of life the center of my life. And I give our Lord the best possible time, the best possible place, and sometimes the best possible place is walking through the streets. Now we're in the middle of the world, and sometimes our schedule is such that that's the only window we have. But I think we could come to the reality that most of the time we have opportunities to give our Lord a, an objectively good time and good place. It's a question of giving up myself and, and faith and believing. The great saints show us this, that somehow on some level the Lord will multiply my time and that I won't outdo him in generosity. Where can I give those two copper coins? Well, it could be even the Thanksgiving after Mass. I mean, use the examples, I'll use the examples that could fit my situation, but it could be that, where, okay, uh, you know, I, everybody else is running out. But the suggestive amount of time is 10 minutes. Am I going to fall behind? Because I gave three minutes instead of ten, or I gave ten instead of three? No. Duties are such that I can't, I can't do that. I'll be late for work. Well, it's a different story. And within those ten minutes, I'm using a devotionary just to make good use of that ten minutes because I'm drawing a blank. And I'm getting distracted about having breakfast, you know, in spite of my goodwill. And our Lord sees that. He sees that self-gift. And my mental prayer, the same thing, that, you know, I could show up being a daze, or I could be there with the right posture so that I'm sort of alert, do the best I can anyway. I have uh, the gospel. I have writings of St. Jose Maria in order to get into the life of Jesus. And he's watching, and he knows that I am filling the containers to the brim. He knows that. 
and he will turn the water to wine, which is a, a beautiful symbol of conversion. And it needs to begin there, because these deeds of charity with others, this, this ability to attract, is always in function of piety and seeking out our Lord with everything I have. It doesn't mean to be melodramatic, but I mean everything I have. And it's not a question of making ourselves squirm. Lord, help me out here. Where can I make a specific resolution to give you a bit more? Because I do want to give you everything I have, but I can't work on many things at once. I'm, I'm the mustard seed. Where do you want that spurt of growth in love? And help me believe that this growth in love is not about me, but it's about my capacity, or your capacity, better said, Lord, of being a sower of peace and love through me. And help me, Lord, be convinced that our brothers and sisters, who have been good instruments of attraction, not about their charm or their talents or their hard work, that's a, that's a secondary reason, but it's about you. Somehow it, it was that, that total gift that you responded to. We, again, will finish our prayer, asking the Blessed Virgin Mary to ingrain this point in the way on our hearts. All things are possible for him or her who believes. The words are Christ's. How is it that you don't say to him with the apostles? Lord, increase my faith. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Sancta Maria, Spes Nostra, Angela Domini.